preaching church and that means we believe in preaching through the entire book of the Bible books and chapters at a time family amen if you will all please stand please stand at the reading of God's holy word we will read it together and then give you your seats amen there is children's church for the children I don't know why they're still here maybe they got in trouble I don't know Okay, mama want to hold them close. Too old? Oh, okay, amen. Well, we need another church then, amen. That's a good problem, amen. We're working on it, Reverend said, amen. Acts 17, verse 10. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. And these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed and also not a few of the Greeks, but prominent women as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away from there as well. To go down to the sea, both Silas and Timothy, they remained there. So those who had conducted Paul brought him to Athens. And receiving a command from Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, they too departed. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, last week I started preaching about persecution and problems in ministry. But today I want to tag this second part of that message, looking for people who want the word. Looking for people who want the word. Turn to somebody on your row and look at them good in the eye. Just give them a good look. Amen. And ask them, neighbor, are you somebody who really wants the word? <laughs> you about to see, ain't you? Amen. You about to see. They start doodling and coloring and passing gum, amen, if they ain't the one, amen. But this morning, we want to preach about looking for somebody who really wants the word. Family, every preacher desires to have a congregation that's hungry for the word. For nothing excites the pastor more, Reverend Tate than a congregation that'll bring their Bibles to church, bring their minds to church, and bring their hearts ready to receive the Holy Scriptures. For the pastor knows that there is, uh, uh, knows that where, rather, there is a hungry church, there's a powerful church. There's a five-star ministry where nothing is impossible for that congregation to accomplish if they have a love for the word of God. Paul found that kind of group of people when he landed Jasmine in the city of Berea. See, they were people with a ready mind. They were people, Garcia, who had a heart to know, a mind to want to learn and discern what the Spirit of God had to say to humanity. And this was a big change for Paul because, because Paul had just left the place where they ran him out of town because he preached the word. When we shared on last week, we talked about what happened to them in Thessalonica because they labored in one of the synagogues there and people heard the truth about the gospel. Some believed, but some got mad. And those that got mad, y'all remember the story? They went downtown and hired some local gangsters and brought the gangsters back and they mobbed the house where Paul and Silas were staying. 
And when the church wouldn't give them Paul and Silas, they got mad and dragged the owner of the house out. And not only the owner, but some other new members in the congregation took them downtown and beat them and had them whooped and jailed. All because they were preaching the word. I stopped by to tell you today, there's some haters in our country. And there's haters that hate the gospel of Jesus Christ. They will do everything they can to silence the gospel. They'll do everything they can to twist the gospel. They'll do everything they can to misquote the gospel. So it's encouraging to a pastor when he shows up on Sunday morning, Nunu, and sees his members with their Bibles open. Because a church that's willing to study the word won't be deceived by another gospel. Can I preach it like I feel it today? A church that's willing to dive into the scriptures won't be misled by pretty eyes and tall, dark, and handsome liars. A church that's willing to study the gospel can smell error a mile away. And Paul, when he comes to Berea, he finds some people who already been reading the word. And they've got a heart for the things of God. This was what I call a new ministry opportunity. It was a new blessing for Paul. I believe God just wanted to encourage him in his new missionary efforts by giving him a group of people that would be excited <laughs> about studying the word. You know, I remember, I remember when I first started preaching and I had the opportunities to go into juvenile halls and jails how so excited I was to walk on the yard. And when I hit the yard, I saw men lined up in 105-degree weather, in prison, locked up, doing life, waiting on the preacher. Y'all didn't hear me? They beat the preacher to church. And they had Bibles open and notes, and, and I could preach and come back the next week, and they'd be asking me questions. Now, last week, Reverend, you was talking about this, and they'd repeat my points to me. They were Bereans. Are you listening here? But oh, when you leave prison and come to church on the outs, where people are free, you're doing good if they just show up at all. Never mind if they bring a Bible, if they just make it. Come on, talk to me. You're feeling pretty good about yourself. Now, isn't that sad? We free in Christ. Free in society, free to study God's word. Got Bible on apps, got Bible on iPads, got, got Bibles laying on the coffee table, one in the car, one in mama's car. Come on, talk to me. Got them everywhere. Oh, I forgot to bring it this morning. There anybody here today that just want the word? Is there anybody here today? That say, I can't live, Reverend, without the word. Is there anybody here that, that just simply says, I can't survive on Monday if I ain't got the word on Sunday? <laughs> well, I want to welcome you to the new Berean Baptist Church. Amen. Well, the word of God is the standard. Hallelujah. Anybody here today? I want to pastor the word Baptist Church. Well, you don't make it up, you what? I want to pastor the Word Baptist Church. Where, well, when you can't even come to church, you like Sister Wilson right now, call me when you're about to preach. At home, recovering from surgery, but got her foot up on the couch listening to her pastor. Are y'all listening to me in here? I want to pastor the Word Baptist Church where the Word is the center and circumference for everything you do. It's your motivation. In fact, you'll miss going to work so you can get the Word. You'll miss your soap opera and your basketball game because something's happening at the church. Y'all don't feel me? I feel pretty good up here. You, you'll cut your vacation short so you don't have to miss worship on Sunday morning. And if you can't cut your vacation short, you just go to church wherever you vacating. And if you can't find a church, you do like Reverend Tom, pull the car over, pull your Bible out and have devotion by the side of the road. Why? Because you love the word of God. 
Now let me ask that question again. Is there anybody here that love the word of God? Anybody here that say, Pastor, I can live without filet mignon, but I can't live without the gospel of John. Pastor, I can live without tacos and shrimp by the Bobby, but I can't live without the Psalms and the Proverbs. Pastor, I can live without a raise on my job, but give me Philippians. Then I'm talking to the Word Baptist Church. Come on, tap somebody and tell them, I love the Word. I love the Word. I love the Word. The background of this text is important. It's important because it opens up giving you what happened last week. The text says that then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night. You should circle that. To Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Let let me unpack this. Because, Brother Chris, good to see you, nephew. Because of the persecution Paul and Silas faced in Thessalonica from the Jews who rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember last week I told you what the gospel was? Remember I told you who the gospel was about? Remember I told you that there are cults in America that have a Jesus, but he's not the Jesus of the scripture? Remember I said the Muslims have a Jesus? The Catholics have a Jesus? The the Mormons have a Jesus? The Jehovah's Witness have a Jesus? The hip-hop BET generation have a Jesus? The black Hebrew Israelites have a Jesus? But he ain't the Jesus of the scripture. It was the Jesus of the scripture that got Paul and Silas thrown out of Thessalonica. Are y'all in here with me? And I told you which Jesus that was, didn't I? He is the one who came from the Most High God. He came through 40 and two generations. Was born of a virgin girl named Mary. Walked the dusty streets of Palestine. Gave sight to the blind. Hearing to the deaf. Walked on water. Calmed the seas. The Jesus who said, I and my father are one. The Jesus who said, nobody takes my life, but I lay it down. And if I lay it down, I'll take it up again. The Jesus who went to Calvary's hill and died. He didn't swoon into a coma. He died. He was buried in a borrowed grave in early Sunday morning. He got up with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. The Jesus who right now sits at the right hand of the Father. Making intercession for the church. The right now Jesus. Oh heck, can I let my hair down? The Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The firstborn of many fruits. He who was dead and is alive forevermore. Come on, talk to me. We call him Emmanuel. Why? Because he's God with us. He is not the spirit brother of Lucifer. He created the devil. He is God. In fact, I heard him say he was God in the beginning. And he's still doing a good job right now. That's the Jesus of the scripture. Now, if they try to bring you another Jesus, line them up and see which one is God. God of the triune Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And fix it, y'all. Don't let them tell you we serve three gods. No. We don't serve three gods. We serve one God who manifests himself in three persons. God the Father, God the and God the I think I'm in the right church. That's the Jesus that got Paul and Silas in trouble. And then the text says that after they whooped Jason and the men, they had to come up with a plan to help Paul and Silas to get out of the city with their lives intact. So somebody, brothers and sisters, decided, let's get them out by night. Let's sneak them out under the cover of darkness. Isn't that something right there? 
And I noticed something right here in this particular text. I'm still in my background. I'm still in my background. That the mission work of the church in Thessalonica, it cost the church something. It cost them tongue. It cost them some resources. See, in order for Paul and Silas to keep the mission to the Gentile world, the church had to not try to keep them in Thessalonica, but slip them out under the cover of darkness so they can get to the next city with the same gospel message. You do know it cost them something. They had to all chip in to pay the fare. They had to pull their resources together so the gospel could leave their city and go to the next city. Can I talk to you, New Beginnings? I know some of y'all get mighty funny and fickle and tight with your money when it comes to missions. Oh, I'm going to preach about it today. You don't understand the severity of the darkness of the hour in which we're living in. But God has called your pastor and your church to the entire world. And that means it's going to cost us something. Mission work costs the church. It costs them financially and it costs them physically. The call to follow Christ is both dangerous and rewarding. The church along with Paul and Silas, watch this, they didn't quit because of the trouble in Thessalonica. So as soon as they could, Garcia, they got the resources together. They pulled their pennies together, Drisha, and they put Paul and Silas by the dark of night, gave them money to leave that area. I like this. Then we see something else in the text. It's very interesting. And I tried to labor in this point last week. The Bible says after they sent him away under the cover of night to Berea. Look at the rest of that verse. When they arrived to Berea, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Can I put a pen in it right there? Remember on last week I talked to you about Paul and Silas's Sister Hayward, their missionary methods? Their method was, whatever city they went to, they would go to their people first. They would go to the crowd that looked like them. And they would try to reason with them with the gospel. And then when the Jews, if they rejected the word of God from Paul and Silas, then they would go to the Gentiles. And remember I shared with you that a good church has an evangelism method. You have a method to your mission. This was Paul's method. Go to your own people first and then to those outside of your family. Then I argued about where he got it from. Y'all remember that? Remember Jesus said, now when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, here's Bible for my theology. You're going to be witness, witnesses from me in Jerusalem first. That was home. That was their own people, right? Then to Judea then to Samaria, and then to the other most parts of the earth. Paul was simply keeping with the Great Commission. He was going to his own folks first and then reaching out to those other tribes, even though he was an apostle to the Gentiles. Remember I challenged you last week to have a mission methodology. Have a method to the way you do evangelism. Don't be so quick to run outside your family and evangelize somebody when your own house is lost. A good witness to start right there in their own family. Many of you are so quick to tell your co-worker. Tell somebody you meet at Starbucks. Tell your doctor when you won't even share with your own brother or sister. Won't bring your own niece and nephew. Your methodology is wrong. Start at home first and God will bless your going out. And you're coming in. Anybody still love the word in here? To yell out, don't make it up, look it up. When we get to this, we see that Paul is keeping with his methodology. Even though he just got ran out of town. He's in a new town. 
He's got a new crowd. And this crowd is a different crowd. And I got two points today, and I'm going to leave you alone. I'll be quick. Number one, thank you, Elder. I'm going to talk about the hungry crowd. And then number two, I'll close by talking about the hating crowd. Because there's only two kind of people in the world. Hungry people for God and haters of God. Parathetically, which one are you? Don't answer that out. You, you hungry or are you a hater? The hungry crowd, point number one, verse 11. If you got to keep your Bibles open and walk with me. The Bible says that when he gets to Berea, he goes into the synagogue, and he says, look at this. Luke writing this says, Angelus, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. What these? The Jews in the synagogue. They were more fair-minded in that they, here it is, they received therein the word. The what? The word. With all readiness. And they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Verse 12. Therefore, many of them, somebody say many, many. believed, and also not a few of the Greeks who were prominent women as well as men. Let me open it for you. When we arrive at this passage, family, we discover several things about this community. Number one, we see that they were not like, Lori, the Thessalonians. That's the first thing Luke identifies for us. They were church people, but they weren't like the bad people from that other town. <laughs> I just said something right there. They were willing to destroy, Thessalonica was, they were willing to destroy Paul and Silas because they hated the message they preached. They were haters of the good news. And as a result, their mindset was different than the Berean culture. Uh, let me say it to you this way. Every church is different. Some have a love for the word of God, and some are doing their own thing. I just want you to know where you're at today. When Paul and Silas came to them in Thessalonica, remember the text? It took them three weeks of reasoning in the synagogue for them to get results from the message that was being preached. And as a result, remember I told you that there were some Gentiles that were in the temple that heard the gospel, and some Jews that heard about who the Messiah was, they believed. But there were others there. Remember that, guys? Remember that? And the others there rejected, and the others were the one that ignited the riot and the mob in the town. But these Bereans were not like the Thessalonians. Text says very powerfully for us, Brother Rocha, that these Bereans received the word. They, they, they took it in, everything that was said. Not only did they receive it, but they went home and searched. <laughs> I like that. I like that they didn't take the preacher's word for it. They went home and did their own analysis of the text. And that means they weren't lazy thinkers. And they searched the scriptures daily. Y'all find that interesting? To find out whether these things were true. Brother Tommy, they, they, this, this, this culture was ready to receive the scriptures. Why? They had already been studying the scriptures. Where do you get that, Pastor? When he came to Berea, Pashion, he found them in the synagogue. Searching the Torah. They were looking in the Torah to the answers of life, but yet they had nobody with a more excellent way to explain it than Paul and Silas. And so when God sent them into the city, all of a sudden, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy came alive.
because the answer to whom they were looking for was found in the messenger. Oh, heck, can I put my weight on it? I heard Paul say, how can they hear without a preacher? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of glad tidings. Look, you need a preacher. And you need a preacher who know the Bible. Who can handle himself from Genesis to Revelation. You need a preacher that'll tell you, look, don't take my word for it. Go home and look it up. Don't make it up. Paul, Paul stumbled across this great and awesome crowd. And when he got there, he found out there was a big difference between the two. I was wrestling this text and I was thinking about something. And I heard, uh, I'm going to call his name wrong so I better not call his name, but I heard a, a preacher talk about the theology of cities. And I thought that was fascinating. His argument was that every city is different. And you know, you have different demographics and cultures and, and certain things about a city that make up its governance and how things happen in that city. Can I give you an example? Las Vegas. You know what you just thought of. I don't know what you thought of, but you know what you just thought of. That city is known for something. And that city is different than Fresno. Can I keep going? San Francisco has a culture of its own. And it's different from Fresno. Los Angeles has a culture of its own. Oakland has a culture of its own. So the theology of cities is very real. So Thessalonica had one type of attitude, but Berea had another one. Y'all with me here? And sometimes you have to labor in a place where the theology is bad. And every now and then, God will bless you and send you to a place where they can't wait <laughs> for the preacher. Can I let you into my closet? I just want to vent a little bit. Sometimes I can't wait to get away from Fresno and get to a country where they're waiting on me. Nobody got to watch because ain't nobody keeping time. They got the word, James, and they're hungry for the word. I'm preaching till I'm dog-tired and they still standing on their feet. One more. They ain't like us walking in the middle of the sermon. Sleeping. I ain't even got to my hoop yet. They already sleep. <laughs> I'm just on my first point. They already tweeting and texting. and Y'all know what I'm talking about. The culture of a city can dictate the theology of its churches. Can I just say more? I'm already in trouble, Mel. Start the car for me. But we have an antiquated church culture in this city. The things we were doing 60 years ago, we still doing and think they work. We want... Seth, we want, a, we want a, um, an iPod church, but we're living in an 8-track generation. I'm just going to say it. I'm in trouble. I might as well, huh? You know, it amazes me. You have air conditioning in your house and in your car, but your church still got a swamp cooler. You got a cell phone, and you got um, uh, apps, but your church still making cassettes. You want to live in the modern world, but you keep your preacher in an antiquated world. You want your doctor to be full-time, but oh well, if your pastor ain't. The doctor ain't responsible for getting your soul to heaven. The pastor responsible for getting your soul to heaven, but you'll make him work eight to five because you don't think what he does is important. That's an eight track mentality. Yeah. 
in an iPod world. Are you listening to me now? And there are some cities, Lori, where they can't wait to get your preacher there. They beg your preacher, when are you coming back? Are you listening to me? Paul and Silas, when they arrived at Berea, it was a big amen. Because, Tom, they were ready with the word. They were ready with the word. Brother Ralph, they were hungry for the word. And God rewarded this man to preach to somebody who loved the word. He rewarded him, Lokalani, with somebody that couldn't wait to say amen. He rewarded him, Sister McBee, with somebody who would throw their handkerchief at the pastor. He rewarded him with somebody that would just wave their hand and say, tell me more about Exodus. Every now and then I bet somebody just jumped up in the crowd and said, say it again, Reverend, say it again. They were hungry for the word. And I like the text because it implies that, look, not only did the Jews receive them, did you see that? It says many, but he says the Gentiles. The Gentiles also received the scripture with readiness of mind. And not a few, even the chief women who were in the text. Can I, can I argue right there? In the temple of the Jews, and I said this last week, Remember, Gentiles could come into the temple, but they could only sit in a certain location. So the men would be here, the women would be there, the Jewish men and women. And then in the back was the Gentile section. So the Gentiles of Berea were trying to find out who God was. And they came, right? to the temple to listen to the Jewish teachers and scholars teach from the Torah. But that day that Paul and Silas showed up, they got a new word. And this new word made the Torah make sense. Are you listening here? And in that crowd, the Bible said, were some prominent sisters. Y'all know I want to labor right there. What does he mean, prominent sisters? These were sisters who were movers and shakers in the community. They probably had businesses they were running. They were shrewd. They were sharp ladies. And they were hungry for the things of God. And when they got converted, they heard the word. God knew what he would do with them. What a powerful, powerful text. But can I, can I segue for a minute? We don't know if a church was planted in Berea. You don't have a book in the New Testament written to the Bereans. But they were more noble than the Thessalonians. Can I give you Wilson's background on that? I think they went and joined the church of Thessalonica. And that's what made the Thessalonian church such, so much more powerful. When Paul writes to them, he writes to them because they now are people who are on fire for God. And he loves them so much, he didn't write one letter. Zunaga, he wrote two. First and second Thessalonica. Isn't that powerful? They were more noble than the Bereans. I like this right here because it gives me hope for my ministry in Fresno. I'm praying and I'm encouraged today. I want to preach to a crowd like this. It ain't got to be a house full. It could just be a handful that say, man, I love the Lord. And I don't want to do nothing else but love him. I want to preach to a crowd that still believes that miracles happen as a result of the preaching of the word. I want to, I want to see people hungry, Sister Pauline, to get their lives changed, daughter. I want to see the new birth happen in this city. I want to see born-again believers happen as a result of the preaching of the gospel. See, I still believe that the gospel is the best news the world ever had. And the Bereans had a heart for God. And as a result, they were ready to hear from God. And because they were ready, yeah, they experienced what I call, brothers and sisters, is the miraculous saving power that only comes from the proclamation of the gospel. 
They were a hungry crowd. They were a hungry crowd. Hungry crowd. High five somebody. They were hungry. They were hungry. They were hungry. They were hungry. Well, let me close my text by talking about the hating crowd. <clears throat> the Bible says in verse 13, if y'all ain't mad at me, you're still in there, <laughs> that when the Jews from Thessalonica, that's another city, y'all, learned, y'all hear that? That the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, another city. They came there also and stirred up the crowd. You ever been followed by a hater? Okay, then you'll understand this text. Here you discover that haters, Sister Johnson, are always on the move. Don't know grass grow under their feet. I remember, I'm, I'm sorry, y'all, I'm, I'm just, I'm feeling myself today. I'm feeling myself. I remember having to tell people about false doctrine, them get mad, don't come back here, but every now and then come in. And I watch them come in here, brothers, to try to take our daughters. We've had some daughters in this church that I've had to warn them about doctrine and about what certain men believe. And they will hear their pastor. And because a brother is tall, dark, and handsome, and they just got to have a man, they end up getting the wrong man with the wrong theology. And now they are forbidden to study these same scriptures. Why? Because haters are always on the move. I ain't never surprised about who come the new beginnings. I got the prettiest daughters in the city. I know why they're here. But I'm teaching them the scripture. And when they come in here, I make sure I serve them notice from this pulpit. You get any of these daughters in here, it'll be over my body. And then if they decide to go to you, okay, it's on them. But they know better. This text today says that the Thessalonians, the haters that tried to get them before, came to a whole new city. And they stirred up the crowd. That was in Berea. Isn't that something? Here's what I noticed. And God dealt with me on this yesterday I was amused, as I was musing over the text. He said to me, son, the gospel is always going to be opposed in the earth. Here's what I don't want you to get angry. The gospel must be opposed because we have an enemy of our souls. Remember Jesus when he said to Peter that thou art Peter and upon this rock I'm going to build my church? And then he said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. He didn't say they weren't going to attack. Or they were not going to oppose you. So opposition must come with the gospel. If you preach it right, you ought to have haters lined up. If you preach it right, they ought to show up at your job. They ought to blast you on Facebook. They ought to post stuff about you. They ought to tweet about you. They ought to make threats about you. They can do all that, right? Because that's confirmation that I'm preaching the gospel. I ain't giving you no other reason to hate me. I ain't bothered your money or your honey. Come on, talk to me. I know why I'm hated. <laughs> yeah. Why you hate it? I hope it's for the gospel and not got a gossiping. Does that make sense? Opposition must come to the church. Bruce, Mary, as you guys get ready to embed and launch this church, the New Hope International Church in Germany, know that there are haters already waiting on you. You're going to be opposed 
Not because you're nice people, but because you have a gospel that saves lives. And it's the power of God unto salvation. And there must be those who want to stop you because of whose you are and what gospel you proclaim. Remember this, family, that the battle is supernatural. It's not natural. And we're not fighting human beings. My daddy and the little bitty Pentecostal church used to have this sign on their wall. In fact, it's still there. We're not fighting people, only sin and Satan. I grew up as a child looking at that on the wall and didn't really know what that means. But now that I'm in the fight, I get it. No matter how bad they misbehave, I can't go out in the parking lot and put these things on them. That's why I talk to y'all about fighting with people on Facebook. You ain't got to fight with them. That's a spirit motivating them. And the spirit in which they embellish, it, it opposes the gospel of Jesus Christ. All you got to do is keep preaching the word. Tell the Lord on them. Are you with me here? Tell the Lord to make his devil behave and watch what happens. Amen. He'll do it. The, the, the Thessalonians came to Berea to try to stop Paul and Silas from preaching the gospel. Now that just makes me just a little crazy in my head. They would leave their city, Zuniga, to come to somebody else's city and try to stop somebody from preaching in that city. Now you know that's some hate right there. You ran them out of your town, but now you ain't happy that they in the next town. And that gives me a good, a good, uh, good uh, bonus right there for my own dissertation. Look, the spiritual warfare is anything, somebody say anything, that opposes the gospel of Jesus Christ and the work and witness of the church in the world. That's the definition. Spiritual warfare is anything that opposes the gospel of Jesus Christ and the witness and work of the church in the world. Let me say it again, just in case somebody's confused. ABI graduates, you got it. Spiritual warfare is anything that opposes the gospel and the witness and work of God in the earth. If BET opposes the gospel, then you know it's spiritual warfare we're in with them. Are you with me? If the music you're listening to opposes the gospel, that's spiritual warfare. If the pretty girl you call yourself liking ain't down with Jesus, she's a part of spiritual warfare in your life. Are you with me here? If that man you call yourself flirting with don't want to come to your church, won't follow your Christ, that's spiritual warfare. Be careful about the subtle traps of the enemy. Because if he don't want you, Jesus, now, don't think when he gets you to the altar he's going to want it. The Bible says that when they came to Berea, they stirred up the crowd again in verse 14, and I'm coming to my conclusion. I'm going to land the plane. The Bible says in verse 14 that immediately, y'all see that? The brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea. But both Silas and Timothy remained there. Let me get in this and let you go. Some kind of way, Chris, the strategy to keep the mission going that happened in Thessalonica had now slipped over into Berea. Somebody from that church must have got the word to the new believers in Berea and said, look, they tried to kill him here too, so we had to send him out by night. Y'all with me here? And they've got the same strategy not to keep the gospel to themselves, but to keep it moving. And as a result, the same gospel that cost them in Thessalonica now cost them in Berea. They've got to pull their resources together and send this preacher to the next city. Why? There are Gentiles there that need to hear the gospel. 
Are y'all with me here? And even though the haters are pursuing, the church is still working together in the midst of a hostile environment to make sure the gospel gets out of the four walls. I like that right there. I like that right there. Mission work. It costs the church something. (coughs) And according to the text, the call to follow Jesus is still both dangerous and it's costly. So don't be warned today or, or not warned. Don't be afraid today when you hear of Christians losing their lives in the Middle East. That's the norm in the church. Are you with me here? It's unnormal for the church to have no opposition. Can I say some more? If she doesn't have any opposition, she probably has blended into the culture. And the enemy can no longer identify who she is. Can I come down your road just one time today? If you're not having any opposition or trouble with your witness, maybe you're invisible. And the world can't see you. But if you're getting your gluteus maximus kicked right about now, high five somebody and tell them I think they can see me now. They can see me now. (laughs) Yeah, because everybody in my book were bloody witnesses. Everybody that named the name of Christ got persecution coming to them. Why are you crying about yours? You the only one having trouble. Please read your Bible. You'll find out you in good company of the persecuted. They won't let me preach today, Tate. I'm going to go on and land the plane, man. I'm going to land the plane. Let me close this thing, but thank you for your amen, Reverend. I like this text that Paul didn't quit. Paul didn't try to have a meeting. (laughs) Yeah. He didn't try to sit down, Brother Bruce, and mediate this controversy. He recognized they hated him because of his gospel. Mediation wasn't going to work with haters. Mediation only worked with believers that are common with the common mindset. Are you with me here? Anybody know you can't reason with a hater? I wish I would. Sit down with somebody who opposed my Jesus. Talking about mediate, help us to come together as one. How are we going to be one when we can't even agree? You know that light has nothing in common with darkness? Satan has nothing in common with Jesus? We cannot even reason together. Let's know be in relationship together. You hurt and hate the God of my salvation. So I don't have these, these dialogues with Muslims and Catholics and Buddhists and witnesses and, and whatever they are. Amen. I don't have, the only conversation I have with them is do you know who Jesus is? And do you want to meet him? Once you do that, now we can have a conversation. But other than that, we ain't going to agree on nothing. You're going to say it's yellow and I'm going to say it's gold. Am I making sense here? Uh, I I don't know how I got out there, but let uh, let me summarize my text today. I'm going to preach again in a little while. Let me summarize my text. How refreshing it must have been to meet Jews as those in Berea for Apostle Paul. Yeah, they came after him. Yeah, they tried to silence him. But man, he must have been encouraged because he found some people who received the word. Number two, he found some people who were of a ready mind. He found some people, Sister Gray, who were prepared, daughter, to handle the word. And they searched the scriptures daily and tested what the preacher said. They studied the word. What made that exciting for him? While the Thessalonians and the Bereans were engaging in sending ministry now, 
They wanted to see the gospel continue to go brown to the ends of the Asian circle that these churches were being developed. As they were engaged in sending, Satan was engaged in stirring. Can I say something right there? We're getting ready to launch Bruce and Mary into a global church plan. But Satan is getting ready to launch an attack to make sure it don't happen. We're getting ready to launch a summer mission with our youth in our church. The Koinonia Cafe. Satan is getting ready to launch an attack so you don't engage in it. We're getting ready to launch the Vacation Bible School for three tracks of family members. You know the devil ain't going to just let you study God's word. Whenever God is moving, Satan's misbehaving. I guarantee you right now, you ain't even got to raise your hand. God want to do something in your life, and so do the devil. It always happens simultaneously, leaving you in conflict. Which one should I do? So God initiates the call for you to engage in your church, and all of a sudden your job wants you to work more hours. Or you got an opportunity to do something that you never had before. Why does that always happen when God wants you to do something? Because you live in a supernatural world where there's a supernatural conflict. Where good and evil, yes, are at odds with one another. But you as the son and daughter of the living God must be able to discern the times. And to discern which is more important for you. Should I be in a Bible believing, teaching and preaching church? Or should I just do me? Well, as I leave here, Paul moves on. And he moves on by himself. Y'all catch that? This time he leaves Silas and Timothy who just came out of nowhere. In Maria, while he goes to Athens. Ah, I can't wait to take that text next week. When he goes to a city that has relentless gods, he's going to engage the culture. He gets to Athens, and then he sends word back, hey, man, I need y'all over here. The Bereans and the Thessalonians, they're going to be okay. They got the Bible. I need y'all with me in Fresno. All these strange gods around here. We got to split up and take this city. Wow. I like the text because it reminds me, Chris, Paul didn't leave because he was afraid. He wasn't no coward. You do know Jesus can't use cowards. I just said something right there. You got to have heart to follow Christ. Can't be a wimp and be a follower of Jesus. Uh, if I was in the prison, I'd say you can't be a punk and be down with Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Can't be afraid or scared and carry the cross. When you sign up to follow Jesus, you sign up to lay your life down. So that's a good place for a question. Is there anybody here down with Jesus today? If it is, you're on the right mission. Well, I got to leave you now, but I stumbled across the story, Reverend Tong, of a young missionary who was serving in the worst part of Western China. The missionary tells a story that one day an infuriated mob of Chinese were hostile against the proclamation of the word. And they chased the missionary down to the river port. Well, when he was running for his life, he jumped on the back of a ship trying to escape those who were trying to kill him. When he jumped on the ship, they followed in hot pursuit. And then they too jumped on the ship. And right when they almost had him, he slipped through their hands and dove overboard. And when he dove overboard into the river, the missionary said they took out spears And with spears, they began to throw them to him down in the river. 
And he was telling the story to another young missionary. And the young missionary listening said, what did you do then? What Bible verse did you quote? The story says he looked at the young missionary and said, what Bible verse? He said, I didn't need a Bible verse because the Lord was with me. And I like that right there. That's a good place to close my text for today. Sometimes there are times when God will reveal himself to you. There are some times when you're under such great stress, you can't quote scripture. When you're swimming in the river, just trying to hold your breath, you can't quote scripture at that time. You don't need to quote the word. You need the word. And the word that was made flesh was present with the missionary down beneath the waters of turmoil and trouble. Well, New Beginnings, thank you for listening today. Thank you for being a kind audience. Thank you for listening at me argue for a church who will love the word. I'm closing now when I tell you how good it is to have a Jesus who will show up in the midst of your trial. It's good to know the word, but it's better to have the word with you. Yes. Every now and then there are times in the believer's life. Where he or she has to have the absolute assurance that God is present in the midst of your storm. Is there anybody here today that's ever been in trouble and you found yourself not able to quote a scripture? But God shows up in the midst of the storm to remind you that he's never left you and he's always with you. I heard Jesus say that as long as you go into all the world and you make disciples and you baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost and you teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you, then I'll be with you through the ends of the earth. And that's good news right there because he was with Paul when they ran him out of Thessalonica. He was with Paul when they ran him out of Berea. And he's with Paul as they run him out of Athens. And that's good news right there because the promise of Christ is well assured. Paul won't have to worry about the haters much longer because God is with him and he'll never leave him or forsake him. Well, as I take my seat today, you are just like Paul this morning. There's haters in your life. There's obstacles in your life. There's trials you must face. But go through them knowing that the Lord is right there with you. You can face them on the job tomorrow. You can stand up with assurance on Tuesday. On Wednesday, you can know for sure that God is with you in the midst of your song. Be faithful until the end. Be faithful with the word of God. And know that Jesus is walking with you through the midst of your trial. You say, Pastor, how can you know that he's with you? I've got proof he'll be with you because you're imitating him. And as long as you imitate him, you can know how to handle your situations in life. I heard today that Jesus had haters in his life but he went to Calvary in spite of the haters he went to Calvary because of the haters I heard they stretched him high and they dropped him low and he died for those who hated him he died 
for those who are opposition. He gave up his life that somebody might live. He didn't stay dead though. The story is that early, early, early Sunday morning with all power of heaven and earth in his hands, God the Father raised him back to life. Now ain't that all right? Ain't that all right? Ain't that all right? Ain't that all right? You can handle your enemies. Be a people who want the word. Be a people who love the word. Be a people who defend the word. Be a people who carry the word. Send the word. Share the word. Hold fast to the word. The enemies can't stand it. But God can show use it. Is there anybody here today that'll make up your mind and say, this week, I'm going to stand for the Lord. Do I got somebody over here that says, this week, I'm going to live out the gospel. Is there anybody here that says, over yonder, I'm going to be a witness. I won't be ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power, it's the power, the power of God under salvation. I'm closing now, but I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad I'm a Baptist preacher. <laughs> I'm glad I'm a Bible preacher. I'm in the Bible. Every day, I'm in his word. Every night, I'm in his word. I sleep in the word. I eat the word. I teach the word. I preach the word. I believe the word. Is there anybody here found the treasures in God's word? Then you won't mind shouting right here when I say ain't nothing better than the word. Ain't nothing better than the word. Now I know that ain't ain't a word. But it sure go good right there. Ain't no other thing better than the word. The word will wash you. The word will cleanse you. The word will feed you. The word will comfort you. The word will walk with you. When you're up and when you're down. Have you ever had the word rock you to sleep? Have you ever had the word talk to you at night? Have you ever had the word help you when you were confused? Have you ever been going left and the word told you to go right? I'm glad today I got the word. You can take my money. You can take my family. You can take my church. But leave me my word. Can't live without the word. Don't want to live without the word. I need the word. Is there anybody here strung out like pastor? I think I'm addicted to the 66 books. Sometimes can't get enough of Genesis and it stresses me out. Sometimes can't put Exodus down. Sometimes Deuteronomy makes me overdose. Sometimes the Psalms and Proverbs just make me go crazy. I get nervous when I ain't been in the Word. I get cranky when I ain't been in the Word. I get an attitude when I haven't been in the Word. I might misbehave if I haven't been in the Word. Is there anybody here that lives like that? You get a little weird when you ain't been in the Word. Start to cuss a little bit because you ain't been in the Word. Fuss at everything because you ain't been in the Word. Doubt and get confused because you ain't been in the Word. Start to get bad company when you ain't been in the Word. Make wrong financial decisions because you ain't been in the Word. Making all the wrong decisions and all the wrong moves because you ain't been in the Word. 
Oh heck, can I preach some more? I got a wrong girlfriend one time because I was not in the word. Some of y'all married the wrong people because you didn't marry in the word. I need the word. I don't need a church building, but I need the word. Don't need deacons or preachers. Don't need Sunday school teachers or children's ministries. But I gotta have the word. Don't need an organist or a pianist. A guitar or a brotherhood. But I need the word. Are you listening here? None of y'all will take me to heaven. And I won't take none of y'all to heaven. But if I follow the word. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. The word is my road map. It's my guiding light. Are you listening here? I'm closing. But I had a conversation with Siri the other day. Some of y'all know Siri. You call her when you need directions. You call her when you need some understanding. But I want you to try what I try. Siri, she said, yeah, Pastor Wilson, can you take me to heaven? Y'all know what she said. I don't understand what that means. And I said, I know why, Siri, because you don't have the word. And if you had the word, you couldn't understand it. Because you need a guide. You know who the guide is? He's the indwelling power called the Holy Spirit. He walks with me. He talks with me. He's my counselor. When I'm distressed, he leads me and guides me. He makes the word plain. Now, ain't God all right? Ain't God all right? I want to close when I tell you. Don't let Siri give you your directions to glory. <laughs> Follow the word. It's your roadmap for living. Let's give God some praise.